Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. It is Monday the 14th of June. I'm Katrina Blowers and on today's briefing, the government's digital vaccine certificate. With this uh, certificate, you can exercise your choice as to whether you want to use it or not. There is no requirement for you to provide evidence. What we're simply saying is if that occurs in the future, the capability is there. Okay, so that's today's briefing, that certificate and what it means for you. Before that, hello and happy Monday, Annika Smethurst. How was the vibe in Melbourne over the long weekend? Oh, slightly better. <laughs> Look, probably not what it should have been. Melbourne's usually pretty busy on the long weekend and so is regional Victoria, but all the Melburnians have been locked in the bubble with heaps of restrictions and I'm sure country Victorians are enjoying all the amazing things out there. I was meant to go down to the Great Ocean Road like mm. so many people, but anyway, that's how it is. Look, it is. we are coming back. There's still masks outside. It's not that fun. But it's better than being in lockdown and that's what we've had for the two weeks before this. <laughs> well, baby steps. Let's get into the headlines. Prime Minister Scott Morrison says Australia is on track to match the promise made on climate change by the world's leading economies as they wrap up the G7 in the UK. Speaking as the conference finished up overnight, the PM compared the fight against climate change to that against the pandemic and said Australia would be relying on technology. COVID-19, you need a vaccine. Climate change, you need technologies that enable you to run your economies at net zero emissions, keep the jobs, keep the power, keep the lights on and keep your industry. Scott Morrison there. G7 member nations, including the US and the UK, meanwhile, reaffirmed their promises to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2050 and halve their emissions by 2030. Do you reckon that was a bit awkward, Annika, given we haven't actually made that commitment ourselves? Nah, look, we're not actually members of the G7, which means we get away from this. We're there as an observer. Um, If you notice Scott Morrison's language on this, it is changing. There's a big global summit in November, specifically specifically on climate change. I think he will get there by then, but he has to think of domestic politics. So Mm. he was also talking to some Queensland members and National Party members when he was making this announcement, not just to global leaders. Yeah, and G7 leaders have, of course, promised to raise more than $100 billion a year to help developing countries fight climate change. Government MPs are divided over whether the Tamil family being held on Christmas Island should be returned to Biloela as doctors call for the family to be reunited. For the best physical and psychological well-being of the child, she needs a more ongoing care in Perth Children's Hospital. For the best outcome, the family should be reunified. Yeah, that's the WA Health Director General David Russell Vice speaking to the ABC from Perth. Now, the youngest daughter of the family has been undergoing treatment for a blood infection in hospital and that's meant that she has had to be separated from her family. I'm sure we've all seen those terrible images across the weekend. She was evacuated to Perth there with her mother last week from Christmas Island and now that's where the rest of the family remains, her sister and her father's there. But members of the government are increasingly calling for the family to be returned to the small Queensland town where they lived. 
I think that it is time that they are brought back onto the mainland of Australia. So that was Liberal MP Trent Zimmerman also speaking on the ABC there. Annika, it is a really tricky situation because on the one hand, um, there are many other people in the community who have similar stories and MPs say if you grant an exemption to one, then other people will say, well, my case just isn't as high profile as that. So what about me? Where does that leave me? Where where do you think all this is going to land? Look, I said last week that I didn't think they'd move on this. I've observed the coalition government in this policy area for a long time. Now, I've changed my view on that. I spoke to a number of ministers over the weekend and there really does seem to be a shift. Now, Trent Zimmerman, who we just heard from there, You'd expect him to speak out. He's a Sydney-based MP from a more progressive electorate. Mm. But increasingly, we're hearing from more conservative members of the Liberal Party saying they also think that enough is enough on this case. So it now looks like uh, it will actually be decided by a minister. It won't. It, it is been through the courts up until now. And there is looking increasingly positive that they will find an outcome for this family and one soon. Long-time Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has officially been ousted from power after the country's parliament approved a new coalition government. The coalition of parties from across the political spectrum was approved in a confidence vote by MPs overnight. Leader of the right-wing Yamina party, Naftali Bennett, will serve as Prime Minister until September 2023 before handing the leadership to one of his coalition partners. The confirmation of the government comes after after multiple elections in Israel over the past two years, all that failed to hand a firm majority to any one party. So it really came from frustration and that's what united members of the far left and Mm. the far right to make a decision on this. Well, Hollywood star Chris Hemsworth is among those to have been named in today's Queen's Birthday Honours. The actor will be named a member of the Order of Australia for his contribution to the performing arts and will join more than a thousand other Australians also to get a gong today. That's a lot of people, right? Other prominent Australians to get awards today include Sky News host and former political aide Peter Credlin, the Oscar-winning cinematographer Oscar Boyd, uh, entertainment reporter Angela Bishop, lovely lady, AFL football legend Neil Danaher and rugby league great Rick. Stewart. I guess there's going to be some controversy I'm predicting, Annika, about Peter Credlin getting a gong. What do you reckon about that? Yeah, look, I saw the list a few days ago because uh, it does get uh, delivered to newspapers embargoed until today. And when I saw her name, I thought the same thing. But um, I looked into it a little bit and I spoke to Peter in the last few days. And it's actually very common for anybody who has been the Chief of Staff to the Prime Minister to get this awarded. It's a precedent. It would be actually quite strange should she not. Look, uh, she does have a controversial past. She was um, a hard taskmaster when she had that job. Mm. But I think we should be celebrating women and especially at the moment, women who have done well in Canberra. It's an incredibly prestigious job to get to be the Chief of Staff to a Prime Minister. Uh, She was a woman. um, As we know, some of the challenges women are up against in that building. So overall, I think it's great that 44% of awardees, not quite 50% yet, but are women and Peter Credlin is one of them. 
And what about this news? Gosh, everyone was sitting on the edge of their seats watching those Olympic swimming trials last night, a day after one of our biggest Australian Olympic swimming hopes, Mac Horton, just missed out on the chance to defend his 400-metre medal. Some really good news. He has made it through to the team, but only just Horton finished sixth overnight in the Olympic trials in Adelaide in the 200 metres freestyle, 0.85 seconds slower than Kyle Chalmers, who took out the event. Elijah Winnington, who in a shock move beat Horton as the 400 metres king on Saturday night, finished close behind in second. Yeah, so what this means is Horton is just going to scrape through to make that 4 by 200 metre relay team for Tokyo. And Annika, I'm in Brizzy and this is huge news for us because local Brisbane girl Ariane Titmus has also made it through to her very first Olympics with a 400 metre freestyle race that handed her the second fast fastest time in history for the event. Now, people are really looking to her. They think that this Tokyo Olympics is going to be what makes her one of the biggest names in swimming in Australia. All right, that's the big stories of the day. Coming up, a look at the government's COVID digital vaccine certificate and what it might mean for you. Hey Jen, I was surprised by something that happened last week. When the government announced the launch of the vaccine certificate, I thought there would have been quite a bit of blowback. I mean, vaccinations in general have been fairly controversial and this idea of a vaccine passport has been really divisive in the US. Around 10 states, all Republican states, have either banned them or passed legislation to ensure they're never mandatory. And even the White House has ruled out introducing a national system like the one we introduced last Tuesday. Yeah, but when we rolled it out last week here in Australia, the reaction was very different to that. I don't really have much to hide, so I kind of trust in it and it's not really much concern around that. If it allows us to have some sense of normality back, given that we lost that with COVID, I think um, that'd be a great um, thing to kind of do. And- Sign me up. I don't, I don't mind. I, you know, they've got access to everything else, I assume, so just have this too. So those are just the opinions of a few people that we spoke to about the issues. Um, There didn't seem to be any major blowback from political leaders about the certificates being a thing. And you were saying you didn't get much of a sense of major blowback on social media either. No, I mean, I think there will be big debates around how it's used, say for travel or restaurants, cafes, Mm. or particularly in the workplace. But the certificate itself, not so much at this stage. So if this is your first time hearing about this proof of jab certificate. Basically, it's this digital card of sorts that proves that you have been fully vaccinated. So it's similar to a digital driver's license. So you can store it in your phone. You can pull it up when you need to. Um, It'll be connected to your MyGov account. And the PM is spruiking this thing as a step towards opening up travel. The next step is this. And when it can be taken is not yet clear. But if you're fully vaccinated, that you would be able to um, be able to travel and certainly around Australia, but even potentially overseas without having to go through the hotel quarantine. Wow, travelling overseas without going through hotel quarantine. What What a a dream. Thanks for that wonderful piece of imagery, Scott Morrison. Hang Jongen is the Head of Services Australia. That's the government agency who've created this digital vaccination certificate. They also run Centrelink and Medicare and MyGov, where this certificate will be administered. Uh, Hang, thanks for coming on the briefing. How does this certificate work? Look, it's really reliant on the well-established Australian Immunisation Register, 
which of course is a system that many parents would be familiar with. And basically what the government has done is mandated that when people receive their COVID-19 vaccination, the vaccine provider must update the register. And what that then means is that evidence of your vaccinations appears in your Medicare record. So the key is to use MyGov, link MyGov to your Medicare record, and then once your provider has updated the information, evidence of your vaccinations sits in your Medicare record. Now, once you've received both of those, a certificate will appear in your Medicare record. Okay, a certificate and, and you can download that onto your phone and show it when needed? Absolutely. Look, what we highly recommend is once you've linked your Medicare account, and well over 10 million people have already done that, you then download the Medicare smartphone app. And once you've done that, evidence of your vaccinations sits there in the palm of your hand and it's a very, very simple process. It's obviously not your job at Services Australia to decide how this certificate and the information that it presents will be used. But did you have to weigh up privacy concerns or discrimination concerns in the way that you design this? Because it, you know, you obviously had to make some decisions about how much information is displayed on this vaccination certificate and you've kept it quite simple. That is absolutely right. You make the key point there, and that is that by using the certificate, it does protect people's privacy because the only information that certificate shows is that you've received both vaccine shots. There's much more information contained within your Medicare record, but the certificate itself simply provides that confirmation. And from a security perspective, uh, we've put in place a number of measures uh, to ensure the integrity of that certificate. It has a hologram type uh, crest of Australia incorporated in it, which shimmers uh, as you move the um, the phone. Nice. Um, it has animation built into it. It has a time clock, uh, which is another security feature, and it has a individual number. Uh, for each record, which makes it very easy for us to certify. One concern that seems fairly valid is for people that have legitimate reasons not to get the vaccine, they have a medical exemption. Why haven't you included that as a possible element of this certificate so that people who have good reason not to get vaccinated aren't unfairly treated because they can't present this certificate? Well, of course, there will be arrangements in place for them. They can contact us and we can provide them with um, alternate certification. What, what does it look like? Look, at this point, we've not uh, developed a certificate, but this whole process is an evolving thing. The first step for us has been to try and get ahead of the eight ball by developing the certificate now. Uh, there are measures in place to cover people, for example, who are not covered by Medicare. There's an alternative mechanism where we can provide them with a, a printed certificate. And the key is to talk to us if you're in those situations. The other thing, of course, is there are some people that uh, that are, aren't able to or don't use the technology that's available and they can also contact us and we can provide them with a, a printout of the certificate. 
So is this something that's going to be recognised by countries around the world as well? If, you know, if I was fully vaccinated, I had my certificate, decided to go overseas, fingers crossed, can I just present that at a border in Thailand and people go, yep, cool? We don't know. Look, these are decisions that are yet to be made by um, either state governments or possibly even national cabinet. From our perspective, we're just aware of the emerging trend. There's been a lot of speculation in media, for example, about the fact that people may need to verify the fact that they've received their vaccinations. We just want to make sure that for now, if people need that, it's available to them in a simple, straightforward way. Those sorts of decisions into the future are yet to be made. In Israel, they're already starting to retire their past because enough of the population have been vaccinated. Is this part of your consideration that at some point it might be phased out? Look, of course it is. Uh, but again, uh, we would make any of those sorts of determinations based on expert medical advice, because that's what's influenced all of these developments over the past year or so. But right now, we anticipate there could well be a need for some form of verification. And as I said, we've developed that. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, it's an evolving game. And if there is further need for something different, we'll uh, develop that as well. Hank, you launched this on uh, last Tuesday. There hasn't been a lot of pushback. I I thought this might have been more controversial. Certainly, if you were launching this in the United States, I think there might be more blowback. Uh, Have you been surprised by how this has been so well received? Well, not really, because the key to this whole process has been the Australian Immunisation Register. And since the vaccine program has been rolled out, people would be aware that uh, proof of their vaccination has already been sitting there within your Medicare record, which means that uh, you've been able to open the Medicare app and uh, there's evidence of your shots already in there. What we've done is taken it at one enhanced step further to ensure that it's a certificate which provides the minimum basic information and has a range of security measures built into it. Okay, yeah, so I guess it's a basically an incremental um, development here that just displays what was already available. So if you do hate this idea... It's already been incrementally eating away at the way you would like to see it anyway. So here we are. (laughs) I guess really it's the same principle too. Although the vaccinations are available to everyone, people can exercise a choice. It's the same thing with this uh, certificate. You can exercise your choice as to whether you want to use it or not. And let's face it, right now, there is no requirement for you to provide evidence. What we're simply saying is... If that occurs in the future, the capability is there. That was Hank Jongen, he's Head of Services Australia there. Yeah, so I think the controversy will be in how this is used. If there is controversy, there doesn't have to be, does there, Jan? No, there doesn't always have to be controversy. It's what people who run businesses like cafes and restaurants, how those people choose to use it, how Alan Joyce chooses to use it when it comes to international travel. Yeah, look, I think the existence of a card like this, I don't think is anything new. I mean, when I travelled overseas, I have a particular um, little addendum next to my passport that tells everyone how many vaccinations I've had and I've been doing that. that Yeah, I mean, you know, that's just a thing I've been doing for two decades without even really questioning it. So it's not new, but I think you're right in terms of 
there might be some questions about how it gets used because this is a this is a new frontier, right? Yeah, and there was a slight schism politically where you had um, Gladys Berejiklian from New South Wales and um, Anastasia Palaszczuk from Queensland saying they didn't like Scott Morrison's idea of this being used to stop people travelling across state borders. So he mm. initially floated this idea that if, if there are hard border closures, that these people with the certificates would be exempt. And they're like, oh, we don't think we should be limited from travelling around Australia in that way. So slight debate there. Yeah, and that could potentially get raised in the next, you know, months or year to come, right? But the point is, the card is here. If you want to use it, you can use it. If you want to tell the world that you've been vaccinated, you have that option. And that's just going to give us a clearer picture of who has been fully vaccinated and who hasn't. You could even get a T-shirt made if you wanted to, couldn't you? There's, look, many ways to tell people you've been vaccinated. And tomorrow on The Briefing, meditation. It seems to be having a really big moment right now. What's the deal with that? Listener.